You're listening to Pop Culture Fanatics, a podcast for the crazy fan in you. Screaming for More, brought to you by Pop Culture Fanatics, the only podcast for the fanatic inside of you. I'm your horror host, Val Cisco, and if you guys don't know me or know this podcast or even know this segment, don't worry, let me fill you in real quick. This segment is specifically for horror movies, whether it's new or old, B-class or A-class, we're talking about them as much as possible. It's my favorite film genre of all time. I love me some horror movies all the way down from crazy exploitation movies from the 70s to the newest ones that have come out this year as well too. And this movie we're going to be talking about today is the latest that came out of the James Wan shared universe. This is The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, a movie that was quite highly anticipated by the horror audience or at least the new age horror audience as well too i'm not too sure the people that do listen to this podcast how they gauge their horror movies me myself i do like a lot of storytelling but i do like a lot of cheese as well too james wan and his experiment with this universe how can i put it it's okay do i think it's something that will terrify kids from now to 20 years from now maybe movies like the nun and that imagery right there is very shocking to some people as well too while the first conjuring really had that lights out kind of gimmick going on as well um la Llorona as well too was there with, with that mexican lore as well but do i feel that these are absolute crazy balls to the wall horror movies no what they are are jump scares and there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Sometimes in a horror movie, we want to see some jump scares. We go into the movie knowing that we're going to get scared. So I get that right there. But do I, do I feel like these movies are terrifying? Not necessarily. And that goes with this movie as well, too. Was this a very terrifying movie? I wouldn't say so, but it had a good story. And let's kind of get into the story right here, guys. Um, a chilling story of terror, murder, and the unknown that shocked even the experienced real-life paranormal investigators Ed and Lorraine Warren. One of the most sensational cases from their files, it starts with a fight for the soul of a young boy, then takes them beyond anything they've ever seen before, to mark the first time in U.S. history that a murder suspect would claim demonic possession as their defense so right there this is one of the most infamous files when it comes to the real life stories of ed lorraine warren um this got national coverage big news media is coming up there and see what's going on with this because at that time this really hit home in that in that era you know you look at the 70s and 80s um anything that happened in the news was 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 crazy at that time whether it was things like son of sam whether it was you know the night stalker it was very sensationalized but that was the only form of media you got that time so of course your eyes were glued to the tv to see exactly or radio to see exactly what was happening 
And um, I will say with the James Wan's films, these films are very sensationalized as well too, of course, they're movies, right? So of course the truth is stretched out a tad bit more than it should be when it comes to the original case files of Ed and Lorraine, but you know, it, they, they make out to be great movies in a way. Um, and let's get into this one right here, because I have my thoughts as well too. Of course, it's a supernatural horror film directed by Michael Chavez. I believe Chavez, he was a director as well, too, of The Curse of La Llorona as well, too. So coming off the heels of that right there. Um, of course, this is part of the James Wan Conjuring universe, and it is the third movie when it comes to the Conjuring saga. So this is the Conjuring 3, people. Um, comes with... Um, the experience in the files of Ed Lorraine Warren, played respectively by Patrick Wilson, who I absolutely love. This guy does not age, even though they try to age him in this movie. This guy is a man that <laughs> that has has been around since the early 2000s and keeps on getting better and better and better, no matter what. Vera Farmiga also is fantastic, sexy, sweet, wholesome, everything you want in this character. Has her own version of being a screen queen as well, too. Um, I think these two characters, Vera and Patrick, they, these actors, they really hold down the Conjuring films. They bring a sense of gravitas. They bring a sense of professionalism. You buy into the Conjuring universe because of these characters, because they play these characters so well, in my opinion. So while everything does go a little crazy and maybe the script goes a little wonky, these guys are the glue when it comes to that, in my opinion. Of course, there's other characters in this movie as well, too. But as the Warrens, they are the main characters. They really hold the film together. Um, originally, this film was slated to come out September 2020. Uh, but of course, due to COVID-19, the film was pushed back the tad bit. Warner Brothers and New Line Cinema in the United States decided to simultaneously release this film on both HBO Max and, of course, on in the big screen as well, too. Um, this movie came out May 26, 2021 in the United Kingdom and of course June 4th, 2021 in the United States. Runtime is 112 minutes. Um, budget, man, the budget was $39 million. Box office so far it's gained about $28 million, still growing and growing and growing. So I definitely know it's going to make more than, than it costs to make this film itself. So, I won't go beat by beat with these movies because I never really do. Uh, just the things that I did like about it and the things that maybe not so much I cared about it. Uh, when you look at the Warrens themselves, um, you know, Patrick and Vera play these characters so fucking well where it comes to the point where you're, you're, you're invested in these characters. You're invested in small little things like their health. You know, you've been through the changes with them the last couple of movies when, when you're looking at little tidbits of Annabelle or just haunted houses and Amityville and things of that nature. So, like, you already are invested if, if you see them in any kind of danger or peril. So I think that right there makes the movie work because anytime you see Vera struggling in this movie, you're like, oof, I'm not too sure what's going to happen. Also, with her visions of her husband dying you still have that in the background as well too so you know an eventual death is going to happen to um to ed's character as well too so that's gonna that's that's something to look forward to as well too in this movie every time you see something happening whether it's a minor heart attack or a major heart attack or something happening with Eric going into a different realm you're you're wondering you're invested if they're gonna die or not so i do like that how is the scare factor in this movie 
just like all these movies, Annabelle, uh, The Nun, The Conjuring movies, they all have the jump scare aspect. It really is psychological horror, in my opinion. And I say psychological, yes, it's supernatural, but you know, you're going into this as an experiment in the audience. You're going into it knowing that you're gonna do if your your senses being taken over, whether it's certain music, sound. Um, lack of sound i think sometimes it's a little predictable as well too you know you already know when the scares are coming unfortunately they're even experimenting with things i think since the conjuring 2 where you're using sound and you know the music kind of just stops but you get the cheap um funny part where it really wasn't a scare and then right afterwards it's the scare which I don't really appreciate that much I think if you're, you're trying to scare me you want to go out there and attack my, my psyche just do it bluntly in my face unapologetically but hey this is, there's a reason why this franchise has been so successful over the last 10 years and I think it's because that it gravitates to not just the horror fans but the casual fans as well too you know I know kids that go out and watch the nun still I know, you know, people that are in their 70s that enjoy these movies as well, too. So I guess the formula that they're doing does work. It just doesn't fit me that much because, yeah, jump scares are cool and all, and I appreciate them, but sometimes I just want a little bit more substance in my horror movies, a tad bit more. Just a little bit more substance. I want just a little bit more, uh, I want to be visually captivated, not just my senses being taken over if that makes sense but i feel like if you are a fan of these movies then you're gonna go into this and feel right at home you're gonna have a lot of the jump scares the creep factor is there i don't think it's as creepy as the conjuring one i don't think it's as creepy as the conjuring two with all the things that are happening with the nun and the, fo and the photos and whatnot i do think the story is great and I think the story kind of falls apart, possibly in the last half an hour, maybe 20 minutes of the movie, just with certain things. But at the end of the day, I think the story is pretty fun. You are very invested in the murder mystery of it all. You do get like the whole exorcism right off the back in this movie and a lot of callbacks as well too, which I like about this movie. There's a lot of callbacks from the original exorcist where the priest comes out the taxis in front of the house and the lights are flickering. You got that from this movie, which felt pretty damn cool as well too. Um, a lot of other callbacks from other movies like It as well too that you're seeing in this movie as well. The Shining, uh, the Kubrick version as well too. You're seeing, you know, parts where um, Ed is holding a sledgehammer and dragging it across the floor. It looks beat by beat from what they're doing in The Shining with the axe. Um, so some fun little callbacks that I did appreciate in this movie if you're a horror fan. Um, the story is really good. Like, I do like the initial story of, like, an exorcism gone wrong and one of the brothers inviting the, the demon to come out of the younger brother and, and go into him, use him as a host instead of the other brother, you know, basically sacrificing himself. So I, I did appreciate that. That's a nice little tidbit right there. And, of course, murders happening and them trying the warrens them pronouns pal the warrens are trying to prove a case against 
um, killing this young boy who has committed these acts of horror. So I found that murder mystery aspect really fun, but also you have another case that's happening all the way in Massachusetts with two missing girls, well, actually one missing girl and a murderer as well too that's very similar that's to what's happening with the Warrens case as well too. I like the duality of these two cases as well too and then seeing like what Vera can do with her character as well too with Lorraine's like um, visions or her stepping into someone's um, past and reliving their moments. I, I think that was very interesting as well too. I think this has a lot of action elements as well which I do like. A lot of thriller elements. And that's why I feel like this movie, the story itself is better than the last two Conjurings because yes you get some stuff in Lorraine but this right here really just it shows their dynamic full force and maybe it's because of the fact that you're invested with these characters since day one you're invested with little things when they talk about Annabelle and they don't even have to show the doll in this movie but they mention it and people are already getting either a, a good chuckle or a good scare so I found Hey, what's going on everybody? It's your boy Val Cisco, dropping some knowledge about Anchor. Guys, have you ever wanted to record your own podcast? Don't you want millions and millions of people to listen to what you have to say? Whether it's about Zeus, whether it's about sports, whether it's about everything that's going on in the world of quarantine? Guys, what are you waiting for? Download Anchor. Anchor basically is a one-stop shop for all your podcast needs. It has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Number two, it's free. Guys, it's free. There's not a lot of freebies out there, so grab this. And of course, Anchor will distribute your podcast so you can be heard from different places like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and many, many, many more. You can make money off your podcasts too with minimum listenership. So right there guys, like listen, this is a no-brainer. Download Anchor, it's pretty fantastic, I love it, hell, thank you Anchor for giving me the platform to speak about all the random things that I do. Uh, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, so please, once again, download Anchor. You can download it off the Apple Play Store, the, the Google Store, I don't know if you guys have Blackberries out there still. Uh, Whatever is out there, download it. It's freaking phenomenal. You guys won't regret it. Take care. Ciao. Found that pretty fun as well too. Um, why does it deserve a rated R rating? I ask myself, right? This movie is rated R. Could this have been PG-13? I definitely do think so. I think sometimes we slap rated R just to increase the the marketing in this movie, or these type, types of movies. They don't necessarily seem like rated R movies. Hell, in the 80s, this would have been a PG movie, in my opinion. <laughs> Maybe PG-13. But I definitely feel like this movie could have been a PG-13 movie. There's a couple of, you know, curses, like, you know, shit bombs thrown here and there. Um, not really nudity. There's, you know, some ass grabbing for a second, but, you know, it's just a couple that loves each other, right? Um, maybe just the deformed bodies. Like, 
the contorting of like the spine just like we get in these uh emily rose s movies of like the body just turning around and the spine bending and all that stuff you are getting that as you do in an exorcist movie exorcism movie but i don't think it needed the rated r i think when you look at rated r we we, we tend to be like ooh, it's even scarier because it's rated r now oh my god like i need to go out there because it's gonna mess me up and this strictly could have been a pg-13 movie maybe it could have been a little disturbing for people that are under the age of 18 but i will say this i took my family to see this and there was 11 year old a 13 year old and a 17 year old and of course me and the girlfriend who are in their 30s and for the most part we all felt the same way like it was good could have been scarier but it was good so i don't know why the rated r was there it wasn't as bloody as other country movies um but the seriousness was there so i did appreciate that um reception from the audience let's see here you know critics alike are giving this movie like a 5.5 to a 6 saying that it was very paint by numbers um, it doesn't have the gravitas of the last two movies. It's not as important or or driving, I guess, as the other movies. I tend to disagree with that. I feel like the story is very good in this movie. I do believe that the scares do lack in this movie. I feel like it's not as scary as the last two. Hell, um, I don't think it's as scary as The Nun, because at least The Nun, you have the creep factor in there. Um, but you get the same jump scares. Um, the lead villain of this movie, <laughs> the witch herself, I, I think, um, wow, the occultist, if you will, um, I think she's good, she's definitely creepy, and she has that creep factor, if you remember those old pictures, that old picture of, like, the farmers together, like, the Ma and Pa picture, them looking at you with, like, the, with the pitchfork behind the barn, in front of the barn, she looks like that, um, kind of like Auntie Anne in a way, but I, I feel like I needed more from her, more motivation from her. All they're saying is that in this movie, spoiler alert, that she's a, a satanic witch and she leaves these totems around, but is there like a huge connection? And they're thrown around like, well, with Satanists, they don't need connections. They just do what they do. I'm like, mm. yeah, I guess. Is that scarier? Is that scarier of the unknown, of someone doing things to you without rhyme or reason? Maybe. And there are people like that in this world, or have been people like that in this world. So I I understand that. I could understand that to a degree, but I feel like there should have been a little bit more motivations with this character. I do love the scenes with her and Lorraine together, just battling, like the duality of like God and the devil finding each other. You know, especially when they could tap into their own powers as, as well, too. I call them powers or visions. They both could tap into each other. So that was fun. But I feel like it could have been a little bit more. could have been a little bit better with her motivations. But she does still stand out in this movie. She's creepy at some levels. Um, there are some heart-wrenching moments. Like, you know, uh, I, I do feel that 
when I say heart-wrenching, I mean warm moments. Let me just rephrase that. There's a warm moments. Like, I think the theme in this movie is the love of Ed and Lorraine was played out in this movie. You get to see like how they first started kissing each other in front of the gazebo to how it ends as well, too, with them kissing each other as well, too, and how love conquers all, love conquers anything. So I definitely got that feel right there. And if you're a couple, you definitely feel that as well, too. It reminds me, hell, in my relationship that, you know, I used to say a lot of times that in relationships, love isn't enough, and I'm slowly turning that leaf little by little, knowing that love sometimes is is what you need to keep on going, so shout out to you, hon, um, but, you know, I, I did like that, that was fun, like I said, it's all part of the story right there, uh, where it falls apart, this movie kind of falls apart with, with time, or at least the time management, um, or its plot points in general, you know, there's there's times where Lorraine is creeped out that one of the um, I'm not gonna go beat by beat because I want you guys to watch this and tell me what you guys think about this movie. But there's a part where Lorraine goes to one of the um, the the uh, people that she's trying to use to help her understand what's going on with witchcraft, right? And he has his own little locked room with all the the totems that. Um, that this witch has made or other witches have made before as well too kind of resembling how Ed and Lorraine have their own room that's locked of all their totems that they found from their discoveries so she's over there like oh you should burn all this like I can't go down there I'm like hmm but you're also the same person that has all these items in your house as well too and then from going from being creeped out to having a conversation maybe two minutes later saying well, yeah, you know, it's like us, we have all these totems, and it's better to have these, you know, have guns locked up than outside, and stuff like that. I'm like, hmm, like, you kind of contradict yourself a tad bit. Um, the witch's lair, I feel like that was a little bit of a loss, like, at first, like, it was this mystery where the witch's lair is, where the altar is, what's happening, and you come to find out that it was, like, under this house all along, or at least the entrance to that lair was under this house, but it's not really shown like how far away it was or if it was directly under and if it was directly under it was very surprised like the I guess the I'll spoil it right here the witch's father um already knew what she was doing but he had an idea that her altar was somewhere underneath like the tunnels of the house but it was surprised that she showed up to like you know be like hey you found out my secret so it was kind of weird there like I said it kind of falls apart toward the end but I still think the themes of this movie is fantastic. You have the real life events, you have the 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 court of law trying to question what's right or what's wrong. You get into trailers of like, you know, the court always mentioning the existence of God and using the Bible as something to tell the truth in a court of law. Well, we need to start recognizing the existence of the devil because if we pander to one, we need to pander to the other as well too in these cases. Uh, of course, it does follow the real life events as well too which you see at the end of the movie as well too that they don't necessarily prove um that the the young man was was um, possessed by a demon at at that time of the murder so but with the events being shown from testimonials and recorded events as well too they do give the young boy about five years for manslaughter his girlfriend does wait for him for the whole entire time. They get married and they live a happy life together. So that right there is pretty damn cool. Like, yeah, he doesn't get like the whole murder at, uh, you know, 25 to life or even a death penalty. He does get five years. 
Um, I just find that very interesting. And I think maybe we should explore that one day, just maybe doing a murder mystery podcast, a little more detail into things, um, of just how, like, we look at the world today in our court systems, right? And how, you know, we have this thing of separation of church and state, yet we still use the church in everything we do in the United States, at least. Hell, in England as well, too, right? So, I don't know, I, I, I find that so fascinating, how we can go from one extreme to another, that someone could say, you know, you swear oath in front of God, yet if someone claims insanity that the devil made them do it, we cast that off as, you know, crazy or mentally ill, and if we're serving both things, or if we're serving both, I guess, the Bible itself or religion is, in general, why don't we take that into account, right? Why? Because it sounds crazy, but it could be true. So I found that pretty fun. If you're like a, a murder mystery junkie like I am, if you listen to podcasts like like uh, Last Podcast on the Left or My Favorite Murderers and things of that nature, then then you'll love this movie because it has that that aspect right here. I'm going to rule down. I'm going to give it a 7.5. I was going to give it a 7, 7.5. I think the story is very strong. I think the jump scares are there. I think it has a happy ending, which is nice. But you know what me in horror movies, I love dark endings. Um, I would have probably gave it an 8 if it was a darker ending. Um, I think it's a beautifully shot movie. I think the effects are good. I think that the exorcism parts are fun as well, too. A lot of body contorting here and there, spines bending, all that stuff. But I don't think it's long-lasting. Like, when I think of the body contorting still, I still think of Emily Rose in that movie. Especially that scene where she, you know, her, she's in the dorm room and the boyfriend wakes up to find her staring at her all contorted. I think that is his nightmare fuel forever. I don't feel like this movie has that nightmare fuel. Which could be good, but like I said, this this is for an audience that's for everyone, not specifically for the horror audience. You know, so a very different take on exorcisms, a different take on witch movies or haunted house movies or cursed movies. Um, very fun still, so I would recommend you guys going out there and watching it. Either we saw it in the theaters, but you can watch it on HBO Max as well too. Let us know how you think about it. Are you enjoying the Conjuring universe? Do you enjoy these movies? Like The Nun, like The Conjuring. Um let us know like annabelle let us know tell us what you feel about it at pop culture fanatics on facebook pcf podcast on instagram pcf podcast on twitter um pop culture fanatics is on all podcast platforms out there when it comes to um itunes iHeartRadio, apple podcast google podcast uh pandora Amazon Music, we're everywhere right now. So if you guys enjoy that, me, myself, Jay Rance, Jacob, we're all on here sometimes and we're giving our best for this podcast. Guys, if you like other things like MMA, The Kimura Chronicles, TKC Podcast on Instagram, TKC Podcast underscore on Twitter, The Kimura Chronicles on on Facebook, where you get your, all your MMA loving, uh, Elite Wrestling Audio, EWA Podcast on Instagram, EWA Podcast on Twitter. Elite Wrestling Audio on Facebook. Those podcasts, whether it's MMA or pro wrestling, are on all podcast platforms as well, too. Guys, it's been a pleasure right here. Hopefully, we can get some more horror movies coming our way as well, too. But um, I enjoyed it. 
it gave me a good taste in my mouth to want to watch some more horror movies, but hell, if I want to go deeper and crazier, I'll probably give you another review later on this week. We'll go into Shudder, because Shudder has a plethora of movies that are right around our alley right there. Other than that, guys, I hope you guys did appreciate this. I'm out of here today. You guys take care and have a spooky, spooky, spooky rest of your day. Later. <laughs>